were talking about uh, what has transpired uh, in Israel over the last three days. We also learned today that the Israeli military has called up an unprecedented 300,000 reservists and was imposing a total blockade of the Gaza Strip in a sign that it may be planning a ground assault in response to the devastating weekend attack by Hamas gunmen. This is a question and a story about the military. Uh, This is a um, story that has many layers of history, but it's also a personal one as well for our next guest. Nico Slavinsky is Vice President of the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs. He has family in Israel as well, and he was kind enough to join us today. Nico, thank you for dropping by and chatting with us on this very important issue. Thank you for having me, Jess. It's good to be here to talk about this. Uh, I guess the first question is, what is what goes through your mind over the last three days in regards to what you're seeing, what you're hearing, and what is transpiring uh, in Israel? Yeah, well, that's that's a really good question. It's it's a whirlwind of thoughts and feelings over the last three days, uh, feelings of concern, feelings of feelings of anguish for friends and family mm-hmm. uh, who have been the victims of a terror pogrom launched by terrorist organization Hamas. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister, my father, my cousins. My thoughts are with all of them and all Israelis who are currently the victims of an unprecedented, unprovoked wave of terrorism. Mm-hmm. And um, you've been speaking with family in Israel. Like, what are you hearing from them? I have. You know, speaking with family over the last number of days has been difficult. Uh, it's not easy to reach people. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the communications networks have collapsed at times. But uh, when I was able to reach my sister, I learned that she was attending the music festival in southern Israel, a uh, festival for peace, a, fest- a festival that celebrated life. And that was that, that the trans, trans, uh, tra- tribe of Nova Trance music? Correct. Okay. Yeah, in southern Israel, very close to the border with Gaza. Yeah. She was attending that festival. Uh, at the beginning, we couldn't locate her, but once we did, we learned that she was at the festival. And uh, her words to me were, I had to run for my life. And when I asked her, I said, what do you mean? She's like, I had to run for my life. I had to flee. I had to hide. And I had to run for my life as terrorists were infiltrating the festival and shooting festival goers in cold blood. So she was hearing that and seeing that and fleeing for her life. Yeah, she was there with her boyfriend. Um, She was fleeing for her life. Uh, Eventually, they found refuge in a nearby army base. And about 10 hours later, they were able to get back to the center of the country. Those were very long 10 hours for all of us. And I'm here talking to you about this. And I consider myself lucky because I'm able to tell you about my sister's experience. But I cannot help and think about the families that cannot yet know their whereabouts or what happened to their loved ones that attended the festival. So did she at all mention as to how, uh, did they just arrive by vehicle? Uh, did they fly in? How, how, how did, did, did she mention how they first arrived? Yeah, so the recollection is that, you know, this was, this, was, this was a music festival. It was a long, long evening of music that went into the morning and people were partying, people were having a good time, people were celebrating life and peace. And, you know, these are young Israelis and, and you know, young adults and teenagers um, and all of a sudden, they saw, um, she described it to me as objects flying in. Um, we have learned since then that Palestinian terrorists were paragliding uh, mm-hmm. into the site. And immediately as they landed, they started shooting people uh, in cold blood uh, all around. Uh, about half of the declared people murdered, of the 800 people murdered in Israel, almost less than half, but about half are people that were attending the festival. Oh, wow. So you can My imagine God. the 
the massacre and the murder and, and you know, what ensued as terrorists were walking around and finding, you know, the Israelis uh, who were trying to hide and who were trying to run for their lives. Uh, your family obviously is from Israel. Um, you lived in Israel for a time as well? I lived in Israel, yeah. I lived there for about 10 years of my life. I lived uh, in the south of southern part of the country and in the city of Jerusalem as well, as I was studying in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father still lives there, and with him too. I was trying to locate him, of course, as everything was unfolding. Um, and I couldn't do that at the beginning. And then I learned after I, I found him, I was able to locate him and talk to him that he had been ordered to shelter in place in the city uh, of Ashdod in Israel, which is about 45 kilometers from the border of Gaza. Um, and he was ordered to shelter in place for two reasons. One is terrorists from Gaza, from Hamas uh, terror organization, were shooting terror rockets into Israel. Mm-hmm. So he had to, again, run for his life into the bomb shelter. But also terrorists made it to Ashdod. And uh, the army ordered all residents to shelter in place as they were coming around the city looking for these terrorists. Eventually they found them and they arrested some of them. But there was a gunfight that ensued. Are you... Um shocked by not just the brazen nature of the attack, but Israel's defense is generally known as, uh, you know, it's always viewed as uh, very professional uh, and has been able, through its uh, security network, been able to deal with some of the challenges before them. But in this case, that so much was able to occur and it was a security failure, many are calling it. Uh, Were you surprised by that? So, look, I'm an Israeli-Canadian. Having lived there, I served in the military like most Israelis do. Mm -hmm. I am sure that there will be a time of reckoning for Israeli society and for the Israeli military establishment and the government to Mm -hmm. come back to analyze what actually happened and what worked and what did not work. I can tell you that what I'm shocked about is that terror organization Hamas decided to launch a terror pogrom on Israeli civilians and they went home by home, community by community in southern Israel, looking to torture, murder, rape Israelis in their homes as they were waking up on their day of rest, the Sabbath, and as we were also celebrating the Jewish holiday of Simchat Torah. Mm -hmm. That is unprecedented and unprovoked terror attack. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that there are um, a call for 300,000 reservists. Um, are uh, people in Israel and, and even locally here, I mean, the sizable Jewish community very much connected to, to, to their heritage. Um, is the general thinking that this is going to be a long war? This is not something that is going to be dealt with in a month or six months. This is a long war, an existential war. I don't currently serve in the military, so it's hard for me to predict what, what that could look like. I can tell you that definitely there's a sense that uh, terror needs to be uprooted mm-hmm. and that the reign of Hamas, the terror reign of Hamas needs to be brought to an end, that Israeli, these, the Israeli military forces need to dismantle the terror infrastructure in Gaza. Mm-hmm. Uh, many Israelis here are looking to go back to Israel to volunteer in their army units. I know for myself that if I would be in Israel right now, I would be serving in my unit as well. Mm-hmm. So yes, there is concern for their loved ones, for their families, and for what this looks like in the days and weeks to come. If you're just joining us, we are speaking to Nico Slabinski, Vice President of the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs. Uh, Nico also has a lot of family in Israel. He has served in the Israeli military as well. Uh, Nico, you know, right 
now there's going to be a lot of folks um, in our Jewish community here uh, in Vancouver and here in British Columbia wanting to do something, you know, wanting to help in some way. Um, what can you tell them in regards to what will be happening over the next little while? You know, I get that question asked a lot by people of what they can do from here mm-hmm. on my message to the community, but also to our friends in the community at large is that there are a number of things they can do. One is stay informed, right? Stay informed about what's happening. Check in our news, check mm-hmm. in with each other, right? It's important that we take stock of what's happening, but also take stock of each other and really reach out and see how you're doing. We never should take for granted that people have families and friends and people have concerns. So that's the second thing they can do, check in with each other. Mm-hmm. Number three right now, the Jewish Federation of Greater Vancouver, kind of like umbrella organization, so to speak, like our United Way, mm-hmm. is running a fundraising appeal um, from the community here to fundraise and send those funds to Israel to assist with the community needs uh, for the communities most affected by the terror program that just took place in Israel mm-hmm. uh, at the hands of uh, Hamas. So that's number three. And number four... Come stand with us tomorrow at 5 p.m. in the Jack Pool Plaza by the Vancouver Convention Center. The community is gathering. The community is gathering to show support and solidarity with the people of Israel and with the land of Israel in the wake of this unprecedented terrorist attack by Hamas. Mm-hmm. Come stand with us. Come meet the community and come be with us in this time of need. Uh, it's always interesting that communities, uh, you know, you may be far away from um, your homeland, your motherland, but I always feel those people also probably keep that culture, that community closer to their heart than anybody else just because of distance. Um, how does the community itself sort of take all this in from so far away? You know, you watch things on a screen uh, and you want to do something, but you're here and you've given me some examples of what you're going to be doing and that's great. But I mean, g- give me a sense of the impact it has on the community here locally in regards to sort of what they're going through, what you think you're gonna, we're gonna, they'll be going through over the next few weeks and months. Yeah, you know, there's no question that the connection that we as a community have to an ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, Mm -hmm. is unbreakable. So you can imagine the concern that that brings on when you see your homeland under attack by a terrorist organization. Um, Concern, anguish, there's a lot of very graphic, gruesome images online, right, Mm -hmm. that we don't need to describe here on the show, but, you know, that people have seen. People are concerned for their loved ones. People are concerned for their family. Many people in our community here are looking at one of two things. How can they get to Israel to help, Mm -hmm. right? So how can they travel from here to Israel now? But also how can they perhaps get some of their loved ones out of Israel and bring them to Canada so they can be together during this very, very difficult time? We as a community are resilient. That's why we are gathering tomorrow at 5 p.m. at the Jackpool Plaza to express our support, our solidarity with the land of Israel and the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we will see what the next few weeks and days bring for the community. But the community is strong and the community is united. And I think that that is an important message for people to understand that we as a community stand united and stand united with Israel. Um I mentioned at the beginning of this interview that uh, there are 300,000 uh, reservists uh, being called upon uh, to help at this moment with what is transpiring in, in Israel. Can you see some of your uh, Canadian-Israeli uh, compatriots wanting to go and, and, and participate and, and be involved as one of the reservists or here in Vancouver wanting to go and help? Undoubtedly. Uh, those uh, Canadian Israelis of dual citizenship that are here in the community or Israelis that are here you know, on a work permit or visiting are looking for ways to go back and to help. It's, it, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if many of them are also looking for ways to go back and enlist back in their units and go help 
in, in the military effort to uproot terror from Gaza. Mm. Uh, I want to go back to the comment you made about your sister. It's a very difficult time. Um, she is doing much better, I hope, uh, as one as one can at this point because of what you, she has just gone through. I mean, I'm just thinking she had to flee for her life 10 hours at a base mm-hmm. before she is then saved, right? Yeah, so um, my sister is very special to me. Um, she is my younger sister. Yeah. We have 25 years of uh, age difference between us. She could be my child in mm-hmm. many ways. Yeah. And uh, she grew up with my wife and I. And when we reached her and we were able to talk to her and her boyfriend about what transpired in the festival, um, there was a lot of emotion. Um, she recounted to us what happened, which I shared a little bit with you about what happened. Mm-hmm. I could not imagine having to flee for my life uh, and bullets flying over my head and to have to find refuge right, in a nearby um, area mm-hmm. that was protected by some, uh, by some trees uh, from terrorists and to then have to walk to an army base to seek further refuge until I was able to get to the center of the country. Mm-hmm. That is, in a nutshell, her story of survival. Um, whenever she recounts it, there are tears. There is anguish. Uh, I don't know that my sister is, is ready to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I think that it takes time to process mm-hmm. that kind of experience. I have endured and survived terrorist attacks myself, and it's something that never leaves you. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe time does... Um, something and helps process some of that, but the experience never leaves you, and that that feeling also never leaves you. So, we're checking in with her as, as as the best as we can. It's it's not always easy, also because of the time difference, but also because it's hard to reach her right now. The telecommunication networks are somewhat collapsed at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I will be able to tell you more in the next couple of days once we talk to her some more. But right now, she's not really open to talk about her experience. Yeah, well, I, you know what, I, I appreciate you coming in today. It's a very difficult period uh, for many people. And I, I want to thank you uh, for making time for this, our audience here, and to share uh, some of your thoughts on this incredibly vital, uh, important story that uh, does uh, continue to evolve hour by hour. Nico, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me, Jess.